Alexander Snitker, libertarian, Republican, and political hack, and Adrian Wiley, born-again anarchist and political has-been. Banter, blather, and joke about current events while attempting to figure out whether to keep trying to salvage our constitutional republic or just stock up on marshmallows to roast on the smoldering embers of society. It's time for Unattended Baggage. Why, thank you, Ledge. Hello, everyone in Podcastville or Internet Land or wherever you may reside. This is Alex, co-host, Unattended Baggage. Along with me is my radio life mate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Adrian, Chairman of the Building Materials Projectile Staging and Logistics Committee of the Western Central Florida Guild of Professional Anarchists, Local Chapter 151, Wiley. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing all right, but I just want to say something real quick. Is that I don't feel like the levels in my earphones are as high as they should be. How do you feel now? I feel better now. I feel a lot better now, actually. Oh, well, there okay, you go. So there see, was. See, I got this little knob here where I can control that. And it's, I don't know if you're familiar with this word, it's called volume. Yeah. I can actually turn up the volume on our earphones without changing the levels in the show. See, I was afraid that the levels were actually off at that point. So when I did the intro, I was a little um, nervous right. in doing the intro. But yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust Adrian. I'm going to trust his operation skills. And I won't say nothing until after I'm done. And I'll make it somewhat of a bit. Yeah, I, I actually uh, have no idea what 90% of these uh, buttons, levers, and knobs do. But, uh, you know, I, I know there's a couple here that I can make things louder or softer. That's And that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Pretty much, yeah. Well, there you go. I'm <laughs> glad to hear. I'm glad to see it. So uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, astounded by wildlife once again. Uh, in my backyard. Nice. It's, it's apparently this is always a fun story, by the way. <laughs> well, the, this is uh, basically right now over the past. Oh, hold on, real quick, real quick, real huh. quick. Can we have? Is there some kind of like Looney Tunes ish intro that we can do no, for Adrian you, backyard uh, animal time? You 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 can't do like Looney Tunes. That's not right. Or uh, maybe some kind of a nature thing. Yeah, or like a, hang, the beginning hang, of Jacques Cousteau. Or... Jacques Cousteau. What do you think? I, I live in a pineapple under the sea. I mean, well, no, no, that's SpongeBob Pear SquarePants, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, is that right. what you're going to find? You're going to find SpongeBob SquarePants instead. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something here that uh, I think you'll like. Okay, all, all right. right. I like I like where Let, you're going. Let's with try this. this. You ready? Easily learned skill that could save a life. Oh no, that's not it. Hang on. I don't even know what that was, man. And now, <laughs> do you remember coming this? Coming to you live from the backyard of some house in Palm Harbor, Florida. It's Adrian Wiley for Animal Fun Time. <laughs> I wonder how... Oh, how, now we got Mutual of Omaha yeah. as an advertiser now. <laughs> I don't know if Mutual of Omaha even exists anymore, but... Uh, oh, it does. Anyway, there's your intro music. All right, enough of that crap. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that probably sounded like uh, like total... I'm glad you found that right off the fly like that. Well, though. you know, hey, man, I, I, I like to be pretty adaptable, but uh, I have got this week some serious... Uh, you know, uh, lizard orgies going on. It's It's like a whole... <laughs> I mean, every time I, I walk into my backyard, there's lizards fucking everywhere I look. It's just the craziest thing. I've never... And look, I, I've lived here for over half a century, and I have never seen this many horny anoles in my life. I mean, because these guys are just all over the place. And they're mating dances. You know, I, I sat out there for 20 minutes yesterday 
watching these two lizards uh, doing this courtship ritual, which I'd never seen before. And, it, and it's actually very fascinating. <coughs> they, uh, both of them, there's a, there was a large male and a smaller female, I assume. I, I think that's how the genders work in, in lizards. Um, but are you assuming the gender of your, <laughs> I, I, of your backyard I, animals? I, I do not know their pronouns. Jesus Christ. Um, so I'm just going to go with they. Uh, okay. <laughs> they were each doing these weird things. Now, you know, normally, a, you know, a Florida lizard, they do the bob thing. Yeah, the push up. Yeah, they do the push up. Okay. Well, you have the, the head bob and then the push up head bob. Right. Right. That's two different things. Yeah, I think that yeah. means something different in the um, lizard world. And uh, they also do, uh, some have the throat thing that they expand their, yep. you know, that thing on the throat. Now, these were doing those as well, but they were both doing something else. They were doing back leg push-ups like they were humping the ground. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, that's a new one. And then they were doing this weird, like they spread their arms out uh, completely and did this really low, slow belly crawl, like in a circle. As if they were both orbiting this center point, and it was so slow. And then the female, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, she raised this ridge on her back, which looked like, uh, you know, it, it looked like I can't remember the name of the dinosaur, but that dinosaur that has the big fin back, you uh, know, Triceratops maybe. No, no, it's like a, I'm not even going to try. But uh, I'm sure a lot of people can picture what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it was just this elaborate dance, um, you know, and I don't, those two never got together. So apparently somebody did a, a misstep. But yeah, everywhere I look, you know, there's two lizards going at it. And they just kind of wrap around each other and stay there for a very long time. Doesn't seem to be much motion in the ocean, if you know what I'm saying. I got you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, lizard courtship, uh, uh, knolls specifically, courtship rituals are just tremendously fascinating. You know, go figure that. No, hold on. Let me ask you a question real quick. And though, it, then it, yeah, I got so turned on, I started whacking it right there in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, you because know, that's that's hot, man. That was hot. That no, was no, hot. No. No, so let me ask you a question here, real quick. Is how much drugs were involved on your part of it before this started? Zero. So you were completely sober oh, yeah. when this happened. Oh, if I was high, this would have just been like earth shattering. But uh, even uh, completely clear headed, would you have felt like you were in like Animal Kingdom, like you like you were immersed in it? No, I probably just got a, would have got way way over analytical. Oh, and about is the, the whole thing. and is the animal that you're looking for a Spinosaurus? I do not know, uh, but that sounds like a like a made up word. I, it's not I, a made up I, word. I, I, I'm literally I, I literally put I literally Googled. Dinosaur with back fin. Yeah. And it came up with Spinosaurus and then a Demetrodron or. Oh, yeah. I think the one I'm thinking about starts with a D. Uh, uh, Dimetron. Dim yeah, I, I think that's probably the one I was thinking. I think of. I think that's where you're at. Yep. I yeah. think Dimetron's where you're okay. at. So. Um, but yeah. That would have bothered me for the whole show if I didn't figure that one really, out. Really? That, that, I was able to let that one go completely. But um, yeah. And lizards, man. So. Nice. All kinds. Of, oh, and there's a. There's a, a damn woodpecker going at the bamboo uh, in my next door neighbor's yard. You know, just nonstop. Will just not stop. Not fuck. Not this, stopping. This is one persistent woodpecker, man. And uh, he was he was going at it, and I was I was trying to count the number of times per minute or per second this thing pecks. And I figure that that thing's pecking about twenty times a second. It's amazingly how fast that that bird can move its head. Yeah. You know, just astounding. So. Did you whip it out when you saw that? Because you're like, well, you know, if you're going to be able to do that fast. 
Uh, no, I, I really don't want a pecker on my pecker, man. <laughs> that that seems very unpleasant. It could be. It could be unpleasant. Anyway, what's going on with you? All right, so I got a couple things that I did want to talk about in the personal story part of this. The first one is is that I am becoming more angry at. And look, the only way I can describe it is is overly polite Florida drivers. Which normally is not oh, a thing I would yeah. complain about, but lately, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so let me see. Let me see. Let me make sure that we're both on the same page here. Yeah, I'm at an intersection. I have the stop sign. Right. There is somebody that's driving along the other way that does not have a stop sign. Right. That will stop there, assuming that they're giving me an opportunity to drive. Right. To move. Yeah. Like. Here's the thing. I thought we all agreed to the rules of the road. Right. And for you, and, and again, they start getting honked at, and then they're looking at me like I'm the dumbass. Right, for not going. For not going. It's yeah. like, go, go, what are you doing? Get, yeah. Get going on. And I have run into this a whole lot this week. I've run into it on a few occasions, too, and, and most often it happens to me, like when I'm at a protected intersection, so like you've got a major road and you're at the minor road stop sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah and someone is trying to turn left onto the same road in the opposite direction you're on, and they have the right-of-way because they're in the less protected yeah, obviously. position, right? And so you get a clearing in traffic, and then they look at you and wave you through like you should go ahead of them. And I'm like, no, you just go. And they end up sitting there so long, no, no, please go ahead, you know? That you end up missing the gap in traffic, and you both got to sit through another round. Yeah, and it's just you know people know when it's your turn. You know, there's there's you know rules, or at least I don't. Well, I think they are driving laws. That's a driving rule. I mean, it's a law or rule, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, and here's the thing that makes sense for for every yeah because they are in a less protected situation. So always the person in the less protected uh, position has the right of way. Yes. You know, so, and, and that just makes sense. Now, same thing with four-way stops. You know, if you come to a four-way stop, the first person to get there goes, and then it's cl- it, clockwise from there, essentially. Yeah, you, you know? know, and here's the thing. I Unless there's an obvious that two people got there first, and then, you know what I'm saying? You know what, and what I consider to be the stop on Actually, that it's, one. Actually, it's counterclockwise. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I, what I consider to be the stop is when you jerk back just a little bit once the break, like once you stop, you have that little bit of a jerk back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's who stopped first. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know, that's who stopped first. And it's 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 rare that it's at exact same the exact same time. Yeah. You know? But it happens at times. There's always someone that gets there to the intersection first and then wants to wave everyone else through. Yeah. You know? And you're just you're just creating problems. Because inevitably, then two people at the same time, you know, one's giving the other permission and the other's saying no, it's your right away. And then they both start going at the same time. And then it starts all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then they'll both stop and yeah. it's a whole thing. So, so yeah. People- I've run into a lot of this lately, though. And it's re- like, at, and it's at weird times, too. Like, your hesitancy of not doing what you were supposed to do Screwed everything now causes else up. me to have to sit there for even longer. Yeah, yeah. That's- Which I didn't want. Like, go, motherfucker. Well, that's almost I've yelled out the- always what happens. I've yelled out the window three or four times at this point. Go, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, it's not even like, go. I'm like, go, motherfucker, go. What right. the fuck are you doing? I, I actually. I almost have to get more animated in order to prove my point. <laughs> I did that to someone the other day. You know, I actually yelled, it's your turn. You go. You have the right of way. Yeah. Go. You know? Go. What the fuck is wrong I, with you? I don't call people motherfuckers on the road because, you know, that's just. You're afraid of getting shot in Florida. No, it's just, it, it seems like too much of an escalation. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's, I got you. Yeah, it's just that's that seems extreme to me for the situation. Okay, well then I probably won't tell you the other things I've said. <laughs> well, I know. Well, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to hurry home so quickly one time just so I could get medicated. It, like I was out doing, I was out doing Uber Eats, and I was like, things were people going, move. I need to get high. <laughs> people were people were acting like such jerks on the road that I'm like, man, if I was just a little bit, I would be okay with this, <laughs> right? So I have to, I try to get back home, and you know what happens when that happens? Huh. That fucker doesn't stop dinging. Like I have to wait two more hours to get home because they're like orders after orders after orders. Well, just come turn home. it off. Yeah, but you don't want it. Like you know, you want to strike when the iron's hot. You know, it's not like it's hot all the time. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So like I have to like I want to get home. I want to get home. But part of me. Thinks that that's almost like a karma thing, of like like because it's popping because you want to get home is why it's popping. Uh, yeah, no, that that's not the way the world works. It's probably not. But yeah. now another thing I wanted to talk about here, and we'll get into the the grander um, the grander uh, point of this one. But I have now have my Twitter account that I have been using somewhat, right? And I have realized that I am preemptively blocking far more people than I am following. Or that follow me. Yeah. That I literally will look up, and if I see somebody's name that I know I don't like, or if I hear a news article about a tweet somebody did, then, I, then I'm like, oh, fuck that guy. I block them, you know, preemptively. Like Max Boot, you probably don't even know who No that idea. Is. Yeah. He's a neocon scumbag, whatever. And I'm like, he was talking about, he talked about how, like, Elon Musk taking over Twitter is like the death of democracy because we need more moderate uh, mo- content moderation, not less. Like, he literally said that. No, no. He literally said that. Elon Musk is a free speech absolutist. (laughs) Yeah. That's the reason he's taken over is to basically unblock everybody, even the people he doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should hear the the media characterization of him. Actually, you know. Let's go ahead and go into this topic. Okay. I guess we'll go into a little bit of it. I I think that the the, the media response and the way they want to frame Elon Musk in this one is so telling to their own hypocrisy, for one. And if you don't know, uh, we talked about it, I think, last week. Uh, yeah, we Elon, talked a little bit about it. Elon Musk uh, purchased a 9% stake in uh, Twitter and got himself a seat on the board of directors. Well, uh, which he, he was offered a seat on the board of directors. Right, which he rejected. Yes. Um, and uh, the reason for that is because a member of the board of directors can only own up to 15% of common stock of yes. Twitter and he wanted to do actually he's he's trying to do a, a essentially a hostile takeover of Twitter. Yeah. Okay. He wants to buy 100% yeah. of the shares. He wants to pay 5420. Right. Which for, is which is like 10 bucks a share higher than it's trading right now. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, which is good. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. It's it's a good price. It's a fair price. Oh yeah, it's a very good price. Um and he put that offer out there and they they haven't rejected it yet. But they did institute what you said was the poison pill, which is right. if he gets over 15%, then they're going to open up the market at a cheaper, that people can buy stock at a cheaper price well, in no, order to no, no, diminish no. his stock. Not people. <laughs> other uh, other uh, uh, board other members. Major in, other major investors. Yeah, and probably institutional investors, too. Like Saudi yeah. Arabia and all. But it's, it's, look, you're not going to be able to go on Robinhood and buy you know, cheap Twitter stock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this ain't well, for you. Well, you will eventually be able to buy tweet cheap Twitter stock because they're going to screw this thing up to the point where they're, he's going to take the stock. Uh, I don't know. He might walk away from this. It might. It might end up yeah, being more that trouble than tanks this the stock. Yeah. If he sells nine percent of his, if he sells his entire plat, his entire um. Um, you know, portfolio of Twitter stock, it's going to tank the company. Yeah. Well, no, it won't tank the company. It'll it'll, it'll tank the stock price. It, yeah, it'll set their share price back. You know, probably fifty percent from where it is now. Yeah. So it'll probably be trading around twenty bucks. 
Um, Which they deserve. But it, at this it'll point. recover because people will jump in to buy it because it'll be cheap at that point. Yeah, you maybe. Know. But I, I, I don't know what their PE ratios are. It's not or, good. You know, it's it, not that good. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know what the problem with Twitter is? Is that because they've knocked off so many big name users, that it it, it affects their price. Like if if more people don't want to use the the service, then that's a you know that's an issue when it comes to how much they can sell. You know, their their you know all of it. It, it affects all of it. Oh. And, Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, Twitter as of uh, the close on Thursday because there was no trading yesterday for Good Friday. Um, it it was trading at forty five oh eight. After hours, it shot up to forty six sixty six. Uh, but it's got a negative PE because it's been losing money for the past two years, or it's got you know no no PE. Uh, it's losing about twenty eight cents a share uh, at that. Uh, you know, well, that doesn't matter the price uh, how much you're losing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty significant there. Uh, so it is a, I would say, a significantly overpriced stock at this point. It's a, oh uh, well, the market cap's only thirty-four billion, uh, which is high, but it's not, you know, exorbitant like you see but some of the tech stocks. But he wants to buy stocks. it for, and here's the thing: this is how you know this is not about money, by the way, right? Because he wants to buy it at a premium, basically. Right. Now they're saying that it's at a steal, but that's not really true, though, because look, you can't say what the stock was worth two years ago and what the stock's worth now and try well, to and try to say, well, it's worth seventy because it's not worth here, seventy. Here, here's the thing: at its current market cap, Elon Musk could probably buy another thirty-five percent of this stock just on the open market and he'd be driving the cost up significantly i mean he might drive the cost by doing that up to 70 or 80 bucks a share but at its current market cap he could easily afford to do that so even with the poison pill um he could still buy all the way you know buy as much as is out there on the market now i don't know how much uh stock would be out there on the open market but if he starts driving this thing up to 60 or 70 a lot of people are going to make the decision to cash out and yeah. take the profit. So I think that, you know, depending on how firm the other sh- shareholders are in this uh, poison pill position, he could he could still buy the whole thing. He well, definitely he definitely has the money. Look, I mean, I think you 34 have... billion to him is like, you know, us saying we're going to, you know, <laughs> splurge a little bit on coffee. Yeah. I mean, he's look, he's got the jack to be able to do it. Oh, yeah. And he's hear, almost a trillionaire. You need, here's the thing. And to hear the responses from people of stuff, like there was one, uh, Stephen Colbert, who I, I got to tell you, though, out of all the people in this, like all the tools that are on TV, right. he's probably like the biggest tool that there is. Yeah, I don't like the guy. I never listened I, to I, him. He's horrible. Oh, uh, well, he, he's he, still better than that that uh, British guy they got um, that runs The Daily Show now. Trevor Noah. Oh yeah, no, I hate. Oh Trevor god, Noah. that guy's just a horrendous tool. Yeah, I hate yeah. him. I hate he's not too. even funny. No, he's not. You he's know, not at least even remotely. At least funny. Colbert can be occasionally funny. Well, look, and John Stewart when he did the Daily Show, John Stewart was John Stewart did hilarious. a great job. He was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And even though I disagreed with a lot of his positions, he he uh, he did it in such a way where the it was just he was more an equal humor. opportunity offender. Yeah, and it was humorous. Yeah, you know, it was always funny. You know, so yeah, yeah, it was at a good level. Right, so, but at any rate. If you listen to some of these people and what they're saying about Elon Musk, it just doesn't make any sense. Like he's like, well, you know, you could you could address world hunger with that money or you could work on climate change with that money. And I'm thinking when he said the climate change part, I'm like, hold on. This dude created (laughs) the marketplace for electric fucking cars. The the reason that he's almost a trillionaire is because of his work on climate change. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. I know. Which, again, now now that he, look, Elon Musk did not do it the way they wanted to do it because he did it like, okay, well, let's create the marketplace for electric cars. 
No, that no, it's it's or far let's beyond the that. marketplace. Far beyond car. that, he actually he is revolutionary in electric vehicles, revolutionary in um, uh, solar. Okay, yeah. uh, with the uh, you know both the the solar batteries, the solar shingles, the you know yeah. all the work that he's doing there. Um, I would say if you were to pick a single person on the planet that's done the most to eliminate our reliance on uh, carbon dioxide creating fossil fuels, mm-hmm. it's Elon Musk. Yeah. So literally, if that's your angle, he is already the number one guy in the world for, you know, a saving for climate change. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that is just like the biggest non sequitur there is. Well, and if you listen to any, like I remember he did an interview with Joe Rogan. And Not he, to mention, he's given pretty much, uh, you know, the entire planet the ability to have free internet access. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like that was like, hey, here's my gift. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I don't understand how people are mad about this. I, it, 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 they don't like his politics. He's not in their tribe. No, that's right. That's, that's the only I mean, reason. And in all reality, he's yeah. not in anybody's tribe. No, no. He's in humanity's tribe. Yeah. I, I, and again, we, we kiss Elon Musk's ass a lot on this yeah. show. Oh, absolutely we do. But yeah, And he's, he's got his, his issues as well. I mean, he's not you know, perfect. He's not Jesus here. But, um, you know. Well, it, Jesus didn't build an electric car company either, though. So. What's that? I'm just saying. Jesus didn't build an electric car company either, though. So. Um, <laughs> Jesus not wasn't. Yeah. Jesus didn't have any plans of getting us off this planet. I'm but, just saying. But he is all our co-pilot. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it's 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 just unfathomable. Well, no, no, go back to the kissing his ass part. Like we kiss his ass on the show. Well, yeah, we do. But I, I honestly think deservedly so. I, I think, like we've said before, this is he's probably the single most important person of the twentieth twenty first century so far. Yeah. Yeah. He might be the one guy that makes sure that humanity survives. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he might be that guy. And, yeah. that, you know, and again, I, it, it, it's weird. He's too. like our backup plan for, for the species. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, look, and, he, and here's the thing you got a lot of, there's, there are a fair amount of Elon Musk haters in every category, like, even among libertarians. Right. There are libertarians that don't like Elon Musk. Well, there's a certain segment of people that just hate, hate everybody. Hate, no, they, well, they hate everybody successful. Yes, that's what it is. They hate successful because successful people point out their own inadequacies. Yeah. You know, instead of looking at those people as somebody to aspire to, right. You look at them as you should hate them. Right. Because I don't have what you have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, Which, it's, look, I it's, look at, it's envy in most cases. Look, I look at Elon Musk and I'm like, man, what a great. What a great guy this guy is. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I wish I could be him, but I, you know, I can't. <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I'm not that, you know, capable. Well, look, and they talk about him being a billionaire and everything, right? But the, also, this yeah, guy... Yeah, he started from nothing. And, and here's the thing, He was right? a dirt-poor immigrant and, and raised did, by a single mom. And what he did recently was sell all of his, all of his possessions... To go all in on the stuff he was working on, yeah, but where that, he lives in a fifty, you know, a, a box basically. Yeah, but that's kind of a misnomer. That was I, Elon Musk is the type of guy who isn't in it for the trappings of riches and the trappings of success. He's got goals, man. Well, yeah, and you his know. goals are for the for the <laughs> most of the goals I've heard are specifically uh, for mankind. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that kind of. Uh, Again, a lot of people look at that kind of thinking and, and just see it as arrogant. And for most people, it, it is. It's completely unattainable. Most of the things you're doing is having an 
almost insignificant impact on my mankind. Some more than others. Some people, you know, uh, some people do leave the world a better place than they found it. Um, but this guy is just doing it on an exponential scale. Yeah. You know. Which, and again, look, if you were a libertarian, I would think, man, you'd want to you make this, you'd want to claim this guy for Pete's sake, for, for all the good that he's doing. And for, and again, look, I'm not one that wants to get rid of, you know, uh, car, you know, like uh, uh, the, the, the combustion engine, you know what I'm saying? Like right. cars, like I don't want to get rid of that. It's not, it's not there yet. But if the, once the technology gets there, then if you want to, you know, if it's a, if I'd, you find I'd, a better way to do it, then great. I'd say the technology's there, <coughs> you know, for the most part. Yeah, but even with the technology being close, it's still going to take a long time for that to for the marketplace. The infrastructure is not there yet. Well, that's true. Yeah, we we need uh, more refueling stations. But I, I, I this or is, charging stations. How you say. feel about Elon Musk? In my opinion, now says way more about you than it does about anything else. Like it tells me more about where you're at than it does anything else. Well, and so for all those people that hate on Elon Musk, I don't. I look at you and go, well, what is your problem? Well, I, I can see a distinction there because if you don't like Elon Musk personally because he's, you know, he's he's arrogant, he's flamboyant, he's a, a troll, you know, if you don't like him for those reasons, that's understandable if you don't like him on a, a personal level. But I, I don't if you try to take away the impact he's had on humanity, I, I don't think you can you can objectively do that. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'm with you on that. I just, I, again, it's I mean, just, literally, he's revolutionizing the auto industry uh, to, to clean vehicles. Yeah. Uh, he's, he made sure Ukraine had freaking internet access. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Free internet access for the Ukrainians. Um, he uh, And he had to scramble to do that. You know, retask, he shipped a bunch of transceivers over there yeah. to make sure they could deploy them everywhere so they could hook up to Starlink and everything like that. Um, he is completely single-handedly saved space exploration yeah you know i mean and now he's attempting to restore free speech to social media i mean what's there not to like and they're equating the guy to hitler (laughs) jesus christ i'm so sick of that i know it's so dumb it's like hold and again it every time these people come out and say something it exposes them and it just shows like democracy's only saved if you get rid of free speech right or they're saying, well, you know, Twitter already has free speech. Like, no, it doesn't, motherfucker. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. How many people have they kicked off? Here's the thing. You know about the top two, Alex Jones and Donald Trump. Right. But you don't know about all the other motherfuckers that don't have those big names no. that they have thrown off the platform. Right. Right. And they have. And, and the, the funny thing about it is, if that was the rule. A lot of them are tw- doctors and scientists, too. Yeah, if that was the rule and they applied the rule evenly. Then okay, I mean, I could I could disagree with it, but at the same time, I could at least say that there at least is some intellectual honesty to that you're even-handed in your platform. But there's like, the Communist Party ha- the Communist Party of China has a Twitter account, and they haven't gotten rid of that yet. Right, and they're they're literally putting a million meager Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. Oh well, they're locking down people now in Shanghai and beating them and killing their dogs. Yeah, you and know? you and they're on Twitter. Right. There are terrorist organizations that are on Twitter, and they got rid of you know Orange Man Bad. Right, which right. again, I don't, fu- I don't like Trump. I don't, right. I don't care for the guy. I don't, I would never vote for the guy. I never did vote for the guy. I think he's a fucking child. But it doesn't matter what I think about him personally. He should be able to be out there. And and here's how you know it's all not about the money. Trump was probably the biggest customer or biggest product that Twitter had that kept their stock at seventy dollars. Because as soon as they got rid of Trump, that stock fucking tanked. Right. 
Right. And I don't know who they're trying to appease either. I, I don't know if that's if that's just the board of directors, their personal political views or uh, political sensitivities, or if there's pressure coming from somewhere else to do things like that. You know, I, I just I don't know, because it, it obviously is politically driven just by the examples you, you cited. You know, if you're going to take off, you know, uh, people because of their, you know, just opinions and not take off people who are actually committing you know, uh, crimes against humanity, then yeah, there's a, there's a big disconnect there, you know? Okay. So especially if you're going to take off, uh, people like doctors and scientists for their scientific and medical opinions. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the things that floors me the most. I think that you have a certain grouping of people within the world now that I don't think is one person controlling all of it. Right. I just think they all have a very similar mindset. You think it's just herd mentality. And I think it, I think it's the, the silo herd mentality of those that want to look, so I, you're saying Illuminati? No, 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 no. Oh, you're, yeah, not, I, th- I think no, you're saying Illuminati. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I, why are you holding up that triangle with your fingers? I'm not. Holding, what the hell's well, going it on? It was a little bit of a triangle. Yeah. Oof, you're All scaring right, me, man. Look, I, th- I think what it is is that you have a lot of people that have a very similar mentality, right? Right. And that they're, they're very authoritarian. They think they know better than everybody else. And they now have figured out that not only can they use government to do that, but they can use government right. to pressure corporations to do that because now you have the people that are within those corporations that agree with them and that they're all working together without there being some kind of big master plan per se. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's like in totalitarian countries, there's no distinction between government, media, and social media. Yeah. And that's becoming more and more so in the U.S. Well, and I think you have a grouping of people. Like it's the You want to call them the elites, you want to call them whatever. I don't, I don't right. really care. But they shouldn't be in charge of anything and that what Elon Musk actually represents is the biggest threat to their monopoly that they've ever seen. Well, they haven't seen in a long time. Like if you free Twitter back up, right. Then what happens is in, in our, and again, this would be by opinion. I don't know if it's yours as well, that you will see so many more people join Twitter than leave Twitter. That it will uh, it will yeah, change it will change the I, way that Twitter is putting out there. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure that he's going to be that big of a draw. I mean, it might increase your subscribership somewhat. Um, and I think you're probably right. I doubt there's many people that are going to leave because of Elon Musk. There'll probably be a few. So I think it would probably be a net gain, but I don't think it's going to be anything that substantial. Well, but, but the thing about it is though, what it will end is the control. Like Twitter controls. In many ways, uh, they call it like the fire hose, right? For for the media, right? And Twitter can control the the the, the angles and the the way in which it the media is talked about, right? To where if they got rid of that, then that actually will help change the narrative as to what's going on is what the media is having to talk about. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, to to some degree. Yeah. You know? Look, I hope he I hope he's able to do it. If not, I hope he kills it. Right. I, I, like. At this point, Twitter, you deserve what's coming to you because you guys have acted. You Here's the thing. What Twitter has done, and I think this is what's going to come out in the lawsuits is because if they don't do this and then their stock tanks, then the shareholders can go and sue the board. Right. And I think that I think that might be his plan and the plan. And I think his plan might be and I don't know this to be true. His plan might be that he causes so much of a, of a ruckus and then pulls out stock tanks. He goes back in and buys it all up. Yeah, that could be on the open market. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Ultimately, that's probably his because he only got to get to fifty one percent. That's probably his fallback position. Is is you know he can probably just over time buy enough shares on the open market uh, to uh, uh, to take a fifty one percent 
ownership in it. It's going to take some time, and he's going to have to drive the price really high to do it. So the first shares he's going to buy are going to be relatively cheap, but the the last ones he's going to buy is probably going to spend a fortune on them. Yeah. But in the long run, a dollar cost average, it'll probably still make a profit. You know. Yeah. That it's a funny part. It's it's you know if you've got enough money. Uh, you can, uh, depending on how the ownership is structured, uh, do hostile takeovers because you get to a point um, that even the hedge funds, that the institutional investors that own a significant amount are going to start profit taking. Now, they may not uh, sell out their entire uh, you know, uh, portfolio uh, uh, you know, or, or their, t- their entire investment in a particular yeah. stock, but they're going to take some profit. You know, they want to show that profit to their... Well, yeah, because they yeah. have a fiduciary responsibility to their investors, too. So, yeah, all these ETFs, these mutual funds, these institutional investors, these, investors, these hedge funds, they're going to see, you know, the price of Twitter double, and they're going to say, all right, well, let's sell 20%, 30%, yeah. you know, 40%. You know, that's that's the kind of move that they're going to make and say, now we've, you know, tripled our original investment, and we're still, you know, <laughs> we still have a significant uh, share of it. So uh, I think that's what you're going to see. So he does have have a lot of different attack vectors when you've got you know uh basically again he's worth almost a trillion dollars i want to say it's it's around 800 billion at last count something like something that, like yeah. that. Um, with, of which you know probably only a hundred billion if that is liquid but still it's a company now with a market cap of 35 billion dollars yeah <laughs> you know he can buy the whole thing pretty easily yeah and he's already offered to do it the know? only the only the only critique of elon that i have right now and this is a, it's a small critique, but I do have a critique though, is that I do need you focused on getting us to another planets. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it doesn't take away from your focus. Yeah, I'm, here. I'm hoping this is not too big a distraction for him because he does tend to have a lot of pots on the on the stove at the same time. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. If there's anybody that can do it, it seems like that's the guy that can. But at right. the same time, and don't get me wrong, I still think this is an important problem that he, that that only only. He's the only one that I know of that can actually do anything about it because he's the only one that has the, the funds to be able to kind of throw throw his dick around like well, this. Well, there's one other guy on the planet that would have the money to pull this off, and, and he is uh, uh, the other person that uh, can much more legitimately be compared to, to Adolf Hitler, and that is Vladimir Putin. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like that? Oh. Was that awesome or what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I shouldn't even say anything. How fucking good I know. Is. I know. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, we have a history of pointing out our, our brilliant segues and our terrible segues. So Honestly, in that if, vein, that, if you were playing baseball, yeah. you haven't even gotten to first base yet. You're still looking at the ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I'm the base, bases were loaded on that one, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. fuck yeah. It was um, bottom of the ninth. So let's get into um, uh, to uh, Ukraine. Um, and uh, first, let me preface this by saying I have been absolutely obsessed with since before the beginning of this war um that uh you know with this whole thing and and i've been monitoring this on a very granular level uh using a wide variety of intel sources um i I don't have like a deep throat in the pentagon or anything like that but uh, you know I've, i've available out there hard to find but available um you know uh, uh intel sources and I kind of wanted to uh, get some of this just out of my head, yeah. uh, uh, for example. So I thought I'd go with a, a breakdown of what's going on in Ukraine right now and what's likely, uh, at least in my uh, you know uh, amateur opinion, uh, of what's likely to happen in the near future. All right. All right. So here's the first thing that we have to understand. Russia has already lost this war as it exists now 
um, they have they initially invaded with about a uh, 130 battalion level battle groups and they're probably down to about 50 functional battle groups okay now uh, this has happened uh, primarily because of the losses they suffered in the Kiev, uh, Kiev region um, you know and not only through um, losses through combat but just losses through uh, desertion um, resignation um, which is actually astounding this is something a lot of people don't know but in the Russian military short of a declaration of war um, the soldiers can resign their position at any time when deployed to a foreign country really yeah yeah so Fuck, we don't even have that no no I mean in that regard which That's is strange weird by the way it is weird so what's happening is is that a significant portion of of the loss of Russian combat effectiveness is through soldiers just resigning, saying, I quit. And uh, how I've learned this is actually through uh, intercepted uh, phone calls of Russian sh soldiers calling their parents, their friends, their wives, their girlfriends, and talking about how, yeah, 40 of us resigned today. And the wives and girlfriends and parents are like, well, what are they going to do? Well, nothing. It's it's in our contract. I mean, they yell at us, they call us cowards, and all kinds of stuff like that. But they have to let us go because war hasn't been declared. Okay, which is why war Russia is about to formally declare war on Ukraine. Okay, okay, uh, that's one of the primary reasons, um, and that was you know ostensibly they're using the uh, sinking of the uh, missile cruiser Moscow, which happened earlier this week uh, by. Uh, Ukrainian um, ground base uh, Neptune missiles. <coughs> yeah, where'd they get those missiles from, by the way? They made them themselves. Oh. Yeah, you, Ukraine actually, Ukraine is far more advanced militarily than, you know, Westerners tend to think of. Okay. So they make these, these uh, you know, anti-ship missiles themselves uh, for their own defense force. And I think they even export some to some countries. And they're highly effective. Obviously, yeah, and it just uh, fucking sank their fl the uh, Russian flagship. It, it was ship. it was the Black Sea flagship called the the Moskva uh, or Moscow. Yeah. So not only was it their Black Fleet, uh, a Black Sea Fleet flagship, it's named after their capital. So this was they probably targeted intentionally because it was also the most important ship in that fleet because it was the primary ASW and anti aircraft. Uh, anti-surface warfare and anti-aircraft uh, 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 vessel yeah. for the fleet. So now that fleet <laughs> has much less protection against A, uh, anti-ship missiles, and B, uh, aerial assault. Yeah. Okay. And the way the Ukrainians did it was brilliant. They started buzzing them with drones the day before. And so their, their air, uh, <coughs> air defenses were targeting these drones. And then the next day, they did the same thing, and they, they sent, like, two or three drones to distract the air defenses and then fired the missiles. <laughs> so that's how they actually sank the ship. Now, the Russians initially said it was an accidental fire on board that hit yeah, the munitions. Yeah, like ammo exploded. And but by the same token, they say that the sinking of the Moscow is the reason that they're going to be declaring, that they should declare war now. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you can't, like... 
it seems weird how everybody wants to be able to like say whatever they want to say, but then have it both ways. Like these two, these two things contradict themselves. Well, it's it doesn't matter because in the you have to understand how different the Russian mindset is from ours. Yeah, Russians are conditioned to accept a good lie. Yeah, you know, and, and that's really what it boils down to. Where we don't accept that, we we say, oh, that's total bullshit. I'm going to reject that. In the back of their minds, Russians know it's a lie, but they also, in some ways, say the ramifications politically and to myself personally of contesting that lie are not worth it, so I'm just going to accept it. I got you. you okay. Yeah, yeah. And they may not intellectually, internally accept it, but they accept it on the outside. Like, I've seen a lot of uh, interviews on the street with people in Russia, and I would say even despite the, the fact that the polling says that 80% of Russians are completely on board. Of course it's going to say that because, you know, the polling organization is the state. Yeah, you know? yeah of course. They're not going to tell you the truth. And even if it is an independent polling organization, when someone, you know, picks up the phone and says, hey, we're taking a poll on politics in Russia, you know, the people on the other line are very, very likely to say whatever they think the pollster wants to hear because they think they're talking to the government. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so those polls need to be taken with a grain of salt. But the point is, is, is they're very conditioned to support the government no matter what. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So anyway, so let's get back to the, the actual losses. So uh, through uh, combat casualties, uh, which uh, I, I think the best estimate right now at this point is, is uh, the Russians have lost about 60,000 troops Damn. to combat tra- That's a lot. casualties. Well, 20,000 dead, uh, probably you know 40,000 wounded. Yeah. Or cap- a few have been captured as well. So in addition to the killed and wounded, um, you, know, you have the losses, like I said, from resignations. Uh, desertions, and, desert, like Well, yeah, yeah. A lot of um, are not. They they're calling them desertions, but they're just people canceling their contracts, yeah. which they have the right to do. Um, so they had to take all these broken battle groups, which was probably eighty battle groups that were just, you know, completely out of commission. And these are battalion levels, so each one's about a thousand, twelve hundred troops. Yeah. Reconstitute them in a few battle groups, and they moved them to the east, to the Donbas region, and to the south. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> and. So I, I would say may, maybe in the range of 50 effective battle groups out of the original 130. Yeah. That's not enough to take any additional territory. And that's that's being shown every day. Every day, um, the Russians are losing a little bit of territory. Um, they've lost the entire region up by Sumy. Um, they're getting pushed out of Kharkiv in the north, Kharkiv. Um, they've uh, been pushed completely away from Mikolaev. Uh, they're about to get pushed out of Kyrgyzstan. And they're coming very close, I think, to losing that land bridge uh, between uh, Western Russia and the Crimea, okay. which was one of their key objectives. Well, which okay. is huge, but a big loss for them at that point, right. because then Kyiv's on its... You can you can resupply Kiev, or I mean not uh, you can resupply Crimea right. on the via the 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 via the water, but you can't do it via the land anymore. Exactly, exactly. And, and since you took out the fucking flagship fucking ship, right. that's going to be harder too. Yeah, yeah. And they they took out a couple of weeks ago uh, one of their uh, major uh, resupply and landing craft. Yeah. So basically, the Russians not only don't have enough troops to advance, they don't even have enough troops left to uh, defend the territory they've taken. Yeah. Uh, even in the, the Donbass region, which they've controlled since 2014, um, that was originally they had a, a pretty compliant populace there, civilian populace. 
those folks are turning against them. So basically, Russia will lose this war. Period. End of story. Here's the problem. Putin can't lose this war. Okay. So I think the highest probability is he will actually turn to using a battlefield tactical nuclear weapon. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say it'd be in the Nipro region. Uh, probably he's not going to target a major city. He's not going to target Kiev or Odessa or anything like that because that would be too egregious. He's probably going to hit a rural area, <coughs> which has uh, strategic importance, like uh, perhaps a, an intersection of roads or rail lines or something like that, or that has a significant amount of Ukrainian troops. He's probably going to hit it with a 5 to 10 kiloton yield um, warhead, which is um, about half the size, say, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. All right. Okay. So somewhere in that range. I, he, he doesn't really have another choice if he wants to have any hope of winning this war. And that is only – he knows even if he does that, he still can't win the ground war. He just doesn't have enough troops. He doesn't have enough equipment anymore. Um, <coughs> he doesn't have, um, you know, the ability to actually take Ukraine or, or barely even hold what he's got now. So that's just to get Ukraine to the bargaining table. Here's the thing. Um, and you have to understand also Putin's mindset right now. Putin may be dying. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but he actually uh, appears to have thyroid cancer. Now, Western intelligence doesn't know how severe it is, how far along it is, but he travels now with an oncologist that specializes in thyroid cancer and also uh, has seen like a, these, these specialists that treat thyroid cancer like 30 times in the past year. So he and, and also photographs show that he appears to have swelling around his throat area. Mm -hmm. So the, the consensus seems to be that, yeah, he's suffering with some type of thing that could very well be thyroid cancer. And depending on the type of it that it is, some are very aggressive and can kill you in a short period of time. Others have a high survivability rate. But with that in mind, there's a possibility that Putin might be dying. And if that's the case, that makes him more dangerous. Yeah. Because a megalomaniac like him would say, well, if I'm going to go, take the world with me. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think he would rush right to that. Now, the interesting thing is, what is the West going to do if Putin uses a tact uh, tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine? Which I, I, I have to say at this point, uh, especially since the sinking of the Moscow, it's about 50-50. Okay. What would the West do? And I honestly don't know. I think there's so many possibilities uh, ranging from NATO invading Ukraine uh, to um, NATO using strategic conventional strikes on Russia's nuclear capability to actually a limited nuclear retaliatory strike. Um, so either way, uh, this has a potential to get out of hand really quickly. Uh, now, having said that, the command and control structure of Russia. You know, everybody always says, well, Putin will just push the button. Well, there is no button. Okay. That briefcase that both the U.S. and Russia have is just a command and control communication device. Yeah. So they've still got to send out the orders to the subordinates. And the subordinates have to actually do it. And I think right. that's another part of it. Exactly. And and I think that there's... Because if they're all resigning and shit, then, you know, if, if well, they're not like, just well, I'm going to be the one that pushes the button. Not just resigning. Uh, like, for example, uh, this past week, <laughs> this is interesting, 
the uh, Putin had 150 members of the FSB arrested. Now, the FSB is the the uh, latest uh, generation of the KGB. Yeah. So it's what used to be called the KGB. So he doesn't trust his own internal people. And that's the where he came from. He came originally from the KGB and then the FSB. Yeah. So, so yeah. There's a – even if he gave the order, it may not be carried out. Now, that's one of the reasons that I've still almost taken strategic nuclear strike off the table is because I don't think that there's any way the chain of command would execute a strategic nuclear strike against the West. They know what that means. That would means, you consider to be Ukraine the West then, though? No, not in this case. I, I'm, I'm, I'm separating a tactical nuclear strike uh, using a low-yield uh, device on Ukraine from a strategic launch, which is, you know, subs and silos. Okay, I got okay. you. Okay, okay. I, I think the, the probability, unfortunately... <laughs> of a large-scale nuclear strike is, is still exceptionally small. But not because I don't believe that Putin would order it, but be, because I believe those orders would not be carried out by the chain of command. Now, if that's the case, then wouldn't that mean that Putin would have to be... Like, they'd have to take him out then? I think that... that I think if he were to order a strategic nuclear strike, uh, that he would be taken out. Okay. I, I think there would be no choice in the matter. And it may not be immediate... Um, but once it was learned that his orders, once he realized that his orders were not carried out, that's when he would have to make a decision. Okay, I need everybody in that chain of command arrested, and then what happens? You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. There, there's only so far that his internal security force can enforce, uh, you know, that level. Well, especially if everybody else is telling you to fuck off and right. they want you gone. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point, I which think, I wonder what the percentage of the Russians are that actually view Putin now as a bad guy that needs to be replaced. I think it's less than half. I really do. Their propaganda is very effective, especially in the the more rural areas uh, among the older population, uh, people who don't have access to other forms of information, who don't know how to get around Russia's uh, internet firewalls and things like that. I think among the young. It's probably a pretty high percentage. Okay. Yeah. It's probably above 50. But they also are afraid to speak out. So some of them are. I mean, some of them are, but some of them aren't, though, because if you've noticed, there has been some anti war protests that happened within Russia. Right. Don't get me wrong. They've cracked down on that tremendously. Yeah. They've gotten a lot of those people are either in jail or dead or, you know. Well, yeah, they passed a bunch of laws. And one of the laws was you can't even use the word war yeah. when talking about this. Um, so, yeah, everybody's dancing around it. Um, but interesting is the Russian news commentators are now calling this World a War, war. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there was and, something on here that, uh, that you say World War III has already started. Yeah, it, it essentially has. This is World War III. I mean, because no matter how you slice it, the West is fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. I mean, we're supplying them with arms, intelligence, uh, you know, a humanitarian aid, everything across the board. We are their entire supply chain. Well, also now Finland and Sweden want to join NATO, right. which they wanted to before, but now they've now no, it looks like it's going to happen. No, they they didn't necessarily want to before. They were actually kind of on the fence. If you took a poll in in Finland and Sweden, it was like eh, maybe forty eight percent. There, the majority, a slight majority, was like, eh, let's not bother because you know it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, exactly, that was kind of the position. Let's not poke the bear. Yeah, but you know, but now, but now it's the, like now they realize that if they don't poke the bear, the 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 bear is going to come and eat them. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, what's well, coming for them next? Yeah, Finland. Finland will be first. Uh, they'll probably join. They'll they'll probably be a NATO member by summer. Yeah, and then Sweden won't be far behind them. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting to see. I, I think that if Ukraine wins this war, there's no doubt they're going to join at least the EU, EU and probably NATO. I mean, it would just it would it would not make sense for them to not join NATO at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, I, I mean, if, yeah, and especially NATO would probably love to have them because those guys can fight. Well, <laughs> you know, at this point, I mean, to watch what's going on in Ukraine, it was am- it's amazing to see the resolve of their people, but also, and again, I don't want to take anything away from their resolve, but that they really exposed Russia for a, being a paper tiger, right? Like, right. you guys can't do something like take over Ukraine. Well, like, you guys sucked at that. You guys really weren't very good. You have to understand that the biggest reason that they were a paper tiger, here's the thing. If this war were reversed and, say, Ukraine invaded Russia. Well, they couldn't. I understand. But let's just say it were. Those forces would be fighting a completely different war. When when if if the Russian troops were the defenders and they were protecting their homeland, uh, they would fight as hard as the Ukrainians are fighting now. That's really the difference. Or if the Russians actually had the Russian troops actually had a legitimate reason for fighting Ukraine, if they felt that there was a a true threat. Well, yeah, because to their they were country. lying to their own soldiers to get them to that point. Right. They told them they were on a training exercise, and when they rolled into Ukraine, they're like, oh, training's over, now we're going to war. And it's like, what? Yeah. Why? What, you know? So it was that was kind of the mindset. Now, obviously, the Russians have committed a huge number of atrocities and war crimes. And, oh, yeah. You know, but that's has more to do with uh, the kind of conscripts that they have brought in for this, you know? Yeah. Um, their elite troops have all been decimated. You know, their Spesnaz, uh, Spesnaz units are gone. Okay, uh, their airborne units are, you know, decimated. Yeah, they've been reconstituted into other hodgepodge units, ad hoc units, you know, and, and things like that. So, um, all of their best troops are functionally eliminated. You know, yeah, maybe not all dead or wounded, but they're just not. They're Those not, units themselves aren't. They're not in the fight to, anymore. Yeah. yeah, so they have to be regrouped into other uh, units, and so you you might be taking elements from four or five different battle groups and forming them into one battle group yeah. at this point. Which, if those people haven't worked together very long, then there's always that that cur- that, 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 that curve time or, you know, like, I don't know. What oh, yeah, yeah. It's, there's no cohesion. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't know how to work together. Yeah, and, and not you know only cohesion that, means something. Oh, it's huge, yeah. Especially if you're on the offensive. If you're on the defensive, it's different. But if you're on the offensive... If, if it, you're on the defense, you have the, the, the inherent cohesion of we're fighting to save our homes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's inherent. But not only that, these troops are demoralized. You know, these guys thought they were the cream of the crop and they got their ass kicked by the Ukrainians who they thought were a bunch of farmers with rifles. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's and and here's the thing. I know Russia's all mad at the world now because everybody's been giving them, you know, weapons and stuff. And he starts to threat there. But I don't even believe his threats anymore, though. Right. And I got to tell you, like, well, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Um, Putin does like to throw out a lot of threats, but some of them are legit. Yeah, some of them are testing the water. Well, here's here's the thing. He's he has to escalate. He's got no option. Well, the only escalation he's got left, though, is nukes. Is nukes. Yeah. Well, he could go chemical, um, but that wouldn't serve any type of purpose. I don't. The problem is you get you get just as bad of a global reaction to chemical. No, no, you wouldn't get nearly because he's used chemical weapons before. He used them in Syria. It's so he wouldn't. Here's the thing. 
it wouldn't have the effect of breaking the um, Ukrainian people, where a nuke, in his mind, might. Okay, but at, I think he's mis. I think at, at this point, I don't miscalculate. I don't think there's anything short of completely flattening Ukraine that would break the Ukrainian spirit at this point. I, I the, the, no, they're not. Mo- they're more motivated than ever. They oh, just yeah. took out Russia's flagship fucking ship. Well, it, not only that, these people have. I mean, look at Mariupol. Um, you know, these people are willing to fight to the the death. Yeah. Period. End of story. They don't care. Uh, you've got a, just a small number of. Uh, the Azov regiment in, in Mariupol uh, that are just, you know, fighting off the uh, huge, you know, they're outnumbered 10, 20 to 1, and they're still managing to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Now, <laughs> they're fighting Chechnyans who, man, these guys don't know how to fight. You know? Yeah. They're the equivalent of, you know, um, uh, the Taliban, who actually kicked our ass in, uh, in Afghanistan, but, you know, they kick everybody's ass in Afghanistan. Um, but, yeah, they're just, uh, you know, they're holding out, and that spirit, I think, is is nationwide. But I, I would have to say that if uh, yeah, because they got a lot of people coming back now. If at the time frame when Putin would use a nuke, unless there's any huge developments, like if he loses uh, a major city, like if if he's uh, you know, uh, for example, if 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 the Ukrainians were to retake Mariupol, that would probably trigger uh, the tactical nuclear response quicker. Yeah. Um, but I think that if he were to set a time frame on it, it's going to be the last few days of April or the first few days of May, probably May 1st being the, uh, uh, the, the, the day he would most likely do it on. Um, yeah, May Day. Well, that's weird fucking symbolism there, isn't it, though? Well, it's twofold. The first is it's May Day, okay, uh, which is the, the symbolic, uh, communist, uh, party, uh, celebration day. Yeah. Uh, and the second is he wanted to do it by uh, May 9th. He wanted to have this this uh, war wrapped up by May 9th because that is VE Day, their great patriotic war when the Germany was defeated. And so to them, that's also a significant date. Yeah. So I think that's the range you're looking at. And, and if he did it on May 1st, it would give him time before May 9th to declare victory or push forward or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he really, it's uh, it, it's going to get ugly here, folks. And uh Hopefully, cooler heads prevail, and I, the the best option for all this um, is uh, is that uh, you know someone in the the Kremlin takes uh, takes Putin out, and they just withdraw and say, "Hey, sorry guys, our bad. I, I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. Can can you lift?" But this? you think the odds of that are pretty small? Yeah, yeah. But then again, if this goes on too long, uh, you're going to have hungry people in Russia that are going to be willing to. Uh, overthrow the government, uh, which has uh, been unlikely in the past, because you got to remember that uh, Russia is a net importer of food, and a lot of the food that shows up in their grocery store is by global corporations that have already pulled out, a lot of them from U.S., a lot of them from uh, Europe, so uh, they're going to be getting hungry pretty soon, and when people get hungry, you know, that's when... The uh, dynamics change. That's when the dynamics change, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, I had thank you for uh, for listening to that, folks. I had to kind of get that off my chest because it was uh, driving me crazy with all this analysis and no one to tell it to. So thank you very much. I hope it was insightful. And lethargic. We'll see you on the other side. Cathartic. <laughs> <laughs>